Happy Focus Friday. Welcome to Simply Remarkable, created by Remarkable A Speakers Bureau, especially for you. And I'm your host today, Sue Falcone, founder and CEO of Remarkable, and we're going to have a wonderful time on this Friday morning. Now, why did we create this show for you? That's now multi-streamed out there over four different channels. We wanted you our audiences to be able to see our speakers are all the talent that we represent here at remarkable and book at remarkable so that you could get to know them personally, just like we do. Yes, we know each one of our talent personally, and then you can see their value as a speaker or performer. And we never know you might be looking for someone today, or, you know, someone who is, because we've had those connections happen. So we're just ready to have a great time and we never know. You will also see how remarkable our talent is and how they can help you be remarkable too. Thanks for joining us. We want you to engage with us. Join us on the open chat line. Send us your questions. Send us everything. Uh, shout outs, whatever. We, we will respond and we want to interact with you. We want to know you're there. So let us know that. Now, today we have as our featured guest, Bill Stanton. Now, he's an expert on innovation, creativity, and breakthrough thinking. He is a 29-time Emmy Award winner for entertainment and a Hall of Fame keynote speaker who takes the mystery out of innovation for leaders and their teams worldwide. He is a TEDx speaker where his video to date has over 375,000 views, and I highly recommend it. Now, for 15 years, Bill produced the longest running, highest rated, and most award-winning regional comedy TV show in the United States. Bill has been cited in Forbes and the Wall Street Journal. He's also written for HBO, Comedy Central and The Tonight Show, and is the creator of the Elite Innovation Roundtable, a think tank for innovative leaders. Bill's clients include all of the major brand companies like Microsoft, Boeing, Whirlpool, Nike, Costco, you name it, he's been there. And on a great note, he's also a pilot and a musician, but like he says, rarely at the same time. Welcome, Bill. Thanks for coming today. Thanks so much, Sue. It's fabulous being with you. Oh, you're you're awesome. And where are you coming to us from? I'm coming from Seattle, Washington, where it is, uh, I would say bright and early, but looking out my window, it is pitch black and early. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for getting up early for us. We appreciate that so much. Our broadcast is up early too. So, you know, hey. Well, this time goes really by fast, so I'm just ready to jump in. How about you? Sure, let's do it. All right. 
Now, Bill, tell us, where did you grow up and who was the most influential person in your life? Oh, wow. What a great question. Well, I grew up in uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, home of the Pennsylvania Dutch, the Amish. In fact, my backyard growing up was an Amish dairy farm. That's where I learned how to milk a cow. I'm pretty sure I can still do it. Uh, I'm guessing it's kind of muscle memory there. Uh, the most influential person to me. Wow, that's... um. Man, there have been so many. I guess the one of the first big influences was my uncle, uh, who just passed away a couple of years ago. And um, he he was curious about everything. He was a lifelong learner, as are most of the people in my family. Um, he was the kind of guy who, you know, well into his 90s, if he was curious about something, he wouldn't just go to the Google machine. He would call a university professor and have a conversation about that topic, anything, history, science, uh, engineering. He was an engineer by trade, um, politics, whatever. He was curious about everything. He read voraciously. He wrote voraciously. Um, like I said, a lifelong learner. And man, to me, that's one of the most valuable, it's not really a skill, is it? An attribute, a trait that you can have, just learning for the sake of learning, not necessarily learning so that you can do something, although that's important too, but just learning for the sake of, of, of learning. Uh, I found over the years that I am happiest when I'm learning something new, whether it's a new language or a new piece on the piano or a new musical instrument or a new skill set or anything. I don't know. How about you, Sue? What do you feel about that? I agree. I totally, I'm a lifelong learner. <laughs> I came from a grandmother that was, even though she didn't have the opportunity to have much education, she succeeded because you're right. She wanted to learn. She read. She taught me to read. And you have a quote that I put out this week. I loved and it got lots of looks because yeah, it said, if, if you want to be a great leader, you have to be a great reader. And that is so key. That is so key, I think, is, is the key. And I was taught that at a young age. So we're right there. We're ready to learn the new things. And that's what innovation's all about, isn't it? Learning the new things going on. Now it is. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 big. I mean, the board's big, it's big out there. But now, Bill, tell me, did you plan to have a career in comedy and become a Hall of Fame speaker? Uh no. Well, I didn't even know Hall of Fame speaker was a thing uh when I started my, my career. Uh, I don't know if it was, but um, no, I, I guess, I mean, I was always funny in school, which got me into trouble more often than not. I could probably still paint a picture of the inside of the principal's office. I know it so well. Um, but uh, I, I went to school for, for uh, I, I, I went to a few colleges and I was an English and drama major for a while. And then I switched over to, to broadcast communications, uh, mostly television, international and comparative television. But um, and I was going to go to grad school and uh, but ended up kind of accidentally getting a job at my local TV station in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, I was filling in for somebody. It was, that's all it was supposed to be just like filling in for two weeks. And that's the last job I ever applied for. Uh, everything else, they came to me. And one thing led to another. It's funny how life works that way sometimes. I mean, there's some people who plan out their life, they're like, this is where I want to end up, and they and they go for it, and they can become very, very successful. There are others, and I kind of fall into this uh, uh, category, where 
you know, life offers you these forks in the road. And I've always tried to, not always successfully, but I've always tried to take the most interesting one. What's the one that's going to, that's a little more challenging? What's the one that's a little less safe? Um, and you can't really plan that. It just kind of happens. So that one little accidental TV job uh, started a career, a television career, which led to, as you said, producing the, uh, that, the comedy TV show. Uh, the most award-winning comedy TV show in the uh, regional comedy TV show in the United States. It led to 29 Emmy Awards, over 100 Emmy Awards for my entire team. And um, yeah, it was, it's, it's kind of amazing how that how that works. And part of part of it is being open to the new things, and that's and that's where we come into to innovation and creativity and and leadership. It's it's being being open to new ideas, new experiences, new people. That's so important. And when I talk about that, people nod and go, yes, yes, we need to be open. But then then they're not really, because we all have blinders from time to time. You and I both know that. Um, so, yeah, so the, so the TV thing happened kind of by accident. And the speaking thing happened kind of by accident. Uh, the TV show was going great, 15 years. We never thought we would last 15 years. And in a year 15, we were still doing number one in our time slot. We'd been number one in our time slot for the last 10 years without fail every single week. We were making money. I got a little cocky. I thought, well, we're doing well. So I bought a new house and a new car. And one month later, they canceled the show. So, you know, I had to do something. Uh, fortunately, when you're on television, you get asked to speak a lot anyway. So I was used to speaking in public. And that kind of led me into a career as a speaker, which I didn't know was a thing. I didn't know a career as a speaker was a thing. Turns out it is. And um, and then, yeah, that led to, I say it led to the Hall of Fame. I mean, obviously, you've got to work. You've got to be good. You've got to, you know, uh, learn how to run a business, you know, all, all these things that go into it. Um, but no, none of it, none of it was really planned. It just kind of happened. Sometimes we have to let it happen, right? Yeah. That, that's the deal. But Bill, when we talk about innovation today, is everyone really an innovator? And are we supposed to be? Oh, I love the second part of that question. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay, so the, for the first part, is everyone an innovator? Everybody can be an innovator. Uh, this is the biggest mistake that I see people make, and this is what, this is kind of my mission to dispel this myth that innovation is a is a private club, and it's only it's only accessible to certain type like the geniuses, you know, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, people like that. Um, it's only accessible to them, and it's only uh, um, you know, you have to have you know a superhuman IQ to be an innovator. You have to be a computer programmer. Uh, coder to be an innovator. None of that is true. Innovation is open to all of us. It's not a private club. It's an open playground. I, I, I wish people would get that because when they think it's a closed club, a private club, then they don't even try. They think, well, innovation is not for me. You know, we all know people. I bet you know people like this who are just like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not creative. We'll, you know, we'll leave that to the creative types. We, we all have the ability. We all have the ability to be creative, to be innovative. Innovation, see, people think that innovation is this, is this lightning bolt. 
that comes down from above and it only strikes the gifted few. You know, again, the, 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 the closed club, the private club of people. It's not innovation. And this is the main thing I talk about. It's right up there. Uh, there we go. Connecting dots. Innovation is all about connecting dots. Seeing two or more things that already exist and combining them, connecting them in a way that nobody else has before. That's something any of us can do. It's, it's not. Here's this. It's not as hard as people think it is. Innovation is not as hard as people think it is. That's the that's one of the main points I try and get across in my keynotes and my workshops that look, this is you can all do this. In fact, during the keynote, I've gotten I've got an, an activity where I prove to the audience because they, they do it themselves. All of a sudden they are innovating. And it's fun because you see their um, yeah, we're just doing this activity and it's fun and people are laughing. And every now and then you see them say to themselves, like, wait, this is innovating? This is innovation? Well, I can do this. Yeah, yeah, that, that is what it is. Um, it's not that hard. Anybody can do it. Now, should we be innovating? Well, let me let me answer that question with a question because to me, innovation is all about seeing a situation, a challenge, a road, you know, a, 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 a speed bump, um, you know, figurative speed bump. So it's just some kind of a some kind of a situation and thinking, how can this be better? See, most of us, we go through our lives and every now and then we hit one of these brick walls. You know, just something that's like, and sometimes it's, it's, it, it can be anything from like a minor nuisance to a major problem. We hit these brick walls and that's where most of us stop. We hit the brick wall and hope that somebody does something about it. Well, the innovator hits the same brick wall, but instead of stopping and hoping that somebody else fixes it, they think, hmm. How can I make this better? How could this be better? What if? See, it's just that one extra step of going past that brick wall to the, uh, how can this be better? So if innovation at its core is really just looking for the answer to that question, how can this be better? Then yeah, I think maybe all of us should be innovators. I mean, you you run a, a, a company, I run a company, wouldn't it be great if everybody on your team, and for those of you watching and listening, for those of you who have teams, wouldn't it be great if everybody on your team had the attitude of when they see a problem, a crisis, a challenge, even just a minor nuisance, if they had that mindset of, ooh, what, what part can I play in making this better? Wouldn't that be fantastic if we, if we could all do that? And, the, and the, the truth of the matter is we can all do that. We just choose not to, either because we don't believe we can, or we think it's somebody else's job. And I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of a shame when we go through life thinking that the that the hard things are somebody else's job, and there are not always the hard things. Sometimes it's sometimes it's a pretty easy fix, but we just we just think that we're not up to it, and so we don't even try. This is so true. I mean, this is great because I want to be that kind of a leader that recognizes in my team, hey, <laughs> I'm not the expert here, you know, right. we got this, you know, and we'll let them do. And thanks, Ben, for joining us. Ben Gay is here with us today. And he says, when opportunity meets preparation, that's what he's talking about. And I think opportunity that's opportunity meets preparation. And uh, the rest of that quotation is an, is, is an opportunity is always there. Exactly. 
But that's absolutely right. When opportunity meets preparation, and part of that preparation is mental preparation, is having the mindset of being an innovator, a mindset of a problem solver. See, an innovator is really a problem solver. That's that's they're they're, they're, they're almost simultaneous, uh, or not simultaneous. They're they're almost they're almost the same thing. Um, you know, innovation solving problems. That's that's why some of the some of the best innovators I found tend to be engineers, like my uncle. Because they love solving a problem. You know, they're they're the ones who's like, oh, that's a problem. Oh, give that to me. Again, most of us run away from a problem. Again, we were just talking about, oh, that's somebody else's problem. The innovator, the 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 breakthrough thinker is like, oh, there's a problem. Come on, bring it, bring it on. They've got that attitude, that mindset. And that's part of that preparation of having that mindset, of being open, of looking for opportunities to innovate. See, there's, there's what I call reactive and proactive innovation. Reactive innovation is what most people do and what most organizations, frankly, do. They innovate only when they have to, and usually it's, it's in response to some crisis. Uh, a global pandemic, uh, a supply chain uh, issue, um, a major competitor does something that changes the game. Um, and now we have to react. And so most organizations, most companies, most people are reactive innovators. But the ones who really change the game are the proactive innovators, the one who look for opportunities. Like everything's going just fine. What might my customers need a year from now that they're not even aware of? And how can I start providing that six months from now? Or what will they need five years from now? How can I provide it two years from now? You know, they're, they're constantly looking for those opportunities. What's the next thing? Um, I was uh, I was sitting down recently with, with Brian Tracy, the great guru, Brian Tracy, motivational sales guru, this and that. And he said that your, your mantra should be, what will be my next miracle? See, too, too often, even the innovators, they come up with one innovation, like they come up with the, with, with the great innovation. And then they think, well, that's it. I've arrived. I'm done. And, uh, but the real, the, the ones that, that become game changers are the ones who think, okay, that's good. What's the next miracle? Think of it this way. Imagine if, um, let's go back to Apple. Do you remember when Apple first came out with the iPod, not the iPad, but you know, the, the first iPod, the, mm -hmm. um, sure. the slogan, the tagline was a thousand songs in your pocket. And that was so cool. I mean, it's my good. I mean, we all loved the iPod, right? Now, what if Steve Jobs and his team at Apple did, you know, came up with the iPod and said, well, that's it. There we go. We've arrived. This is who we are, this iPod. Then some other company would have gone on to invent the iPhone. It would have been called something different, no doubt. But, um, but Steve Jobs, they invented the iPod, and then they let the iPhone, they were willing to let the iPhone kill the iPod. Nobody has iPods anymore. It's all on the phone. So again, he was he was looking for that. What what will be my next miracle? What's the next thing? So that's 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 what separates the the proactive from the reactive innovators. The reactive innovators, some situation happens and they innovate, and they make a big splash, and they're kind of like the one hit wonder. It's a great hit. We all love the song. We all you know, but then that's that's as far as they go. But yeah, the, we don't want them to stay there. 
we don't want them to stay there. And that has, takes encouragement. And just like I've got to share with my team and all like this, when we started this show, mm -hmm. our broadcast director, who's the back end of this show, Letha Raymond, had the idea. I said, look, I want to be unique in our industry. Yeah. Everybody's doing a show. Okay. What is what does our show look like? You know, what what is it? Right. And then she came up and she said, well, why not have more than just a show, but have three audiences in one show? She said, we can have it live. Then we can do a rebroadcast. And then the following week, it becomes a podcast. Yeah. I'm like, ah, uh, we can do that? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, and I have to be the host? Oh, okay. And I have to be the host. <laughs> <laughs> and I get to be the host. Yeah. That's where I went to have to, to get to. Because she told me, she said, yeah, you can do that. I said, I don't know anything about that. She said, but you can. Yeah. So I just let it happen. And here we are. This is our second season going into three. So it's it's a it's a neat thing. It's a neat thing. And we've got more things planned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That can stem from this. So. I understand. I love your material. I I follow you because it it feeds me, and that's what oh, I think everybody thanks. you know feeds it feeds that. So look, everybody out there, think about innovation differently. That's what the 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 deal is, and it's not rocket science. It's you not rocket science. And here's here's the really important point, because when I talk about innovation, you know. A lot of people think, oh, yes, innovation is good. Yeah, yeah, we, we probably should innovate, but, you know, we just don't, either because we don't think we can because of the, those myths that we've already talked about and dispelled, uh, or they just don't feel any urgency. Um, and if people wait for urgency to innovate, they're not going to be very good at it. It's, it's, it's just like any skill. I mean, I, I, use, I use Photoshop maybe two or three times a year. That's it. And every time I use it, it's like, okay, how do I do this again? I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not fluent at it. I don't know how to do it well because I don't do it all the time. Now, with Photoshop, I don't need to. I can outsource and do things like that. But if if you only innovate once or twice a year when a crisis happens, you're not going to be that good at it. You've got to practice continuous innovation. And that's that's one of the things I talk about, about when they when people say, okay, so some, sometimes people think that innovation is this nice to have skill. Yeah, it's nice. It's not really necessary. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's a nice to have. Well, the opposite of innovation is irrelevance. And trust me on this, if you are not innovating, you are moving towards irrelevance. Maybe quickly, maybe slowly, maybe you don't even notice it. But if you're not innovating, I can guarantee you your competition is. And eventually, that's going to start showing up on the bottom line. That's going to start showing up on the numbers. You may not notice it. You may not notice that your phone isn't ringing quite as often as it used to be, but your competitor's is, is ringing more often. But that's, mm -hmm. that's why innovation, first of all, it, it's open to anybody. It's available to anybody. We can all be innovators. And we do all need to be innovators, especially if we're in any kind of a business. Because, you know... Because the, the, the alternative is irrelevance, either quickly that's or so gradually. True. So true, because that's even in our speaking industry. 
You yeah. have got to be relevant. That's and right. You do, and, and that's how people are going to see you. So thank you for sharing that because that goes right into the next question that I have for you. And thank you, Don, for joining us today. I love this. Uh, we're getting comments and we appreciate that so much. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> Bill is brilliant. Yes. We will, we will admit that. We will uh, that. But tell us, Bill, what are the myths about creativity? And can you really turn creativity into money? Yeah, you can. Um, in fact, that's what innovation is, turning creativity into money. That's a, uh, a little. Okay, got that. Now, now, here's what I mean by that, though, that um, people think that creativity and innovation are synonymous, are the same thing. Um, they're not. They're related, of course. Creativity is a vital part of innovation, but it's not the entirety of innovation. It's just kind of like the, the, the beginning part. It's the coming up with the ideas. And that's the part that people think of. It. And, that, and frankly, look, that's that's the fun part. That's the cool part, coming up with lots of ideas. That's creativity and it's great. And we all have that ability. We because we all had it as kids. We all have that ability to say, oh, what if? And sometimes it takes a little bit of coaching and facilitation, which is what I do in my non-keynote work. Uh, one of the things I've found out over the past couple of years as I've been doing this work as a keynoter is people keep coming up to me and saying, Well, can you help us? I mean, you've kind of opened our eyes. Can you help us actually do some things? And so I've developed a kind of a suite of programs, workshops, things like that to help people go further with that. And one of, things, one of my main jobs is to unlock their creativity. It's not to be creative for them. It's to create the context and create that mindset of that they, that they can be creative and they can be innovative themselves. So when I say turning creativity into money, what I mean is that innovation is taking those creative ideas and turning them into something of value. Now that can be money in the terms of a new product or a new service. It can be money in terms of a cost savings. Um, money doesn't necessarily have to be money in this definition. It's just, it's just something of value. You've created something of value. Hey, if you come up with a way to trim the Monday staff meeting down 10 minutes every single week, that's innovation. You've come up with an idea that has created value because you've saved everybody 10 minutes a week. So that's that's value. And so that's what innovation is because creativity in and of itself is just coming up with ideas and ideas in this uh, kind of a contrarian thing for a, for a guy who speaks on innovation and creativity to say, but ideas are worthless. I, innovation is priceless. Ideas in and of themselves, creativity in and of itself that's just coming up with the ideas. But until until you until you roll up your sleeves and actually put those ideas to work, that's that that's when the magic really happens. Exactly. It's, and it's we love that. Yeah, it's basically a three-step process that I call because my background is in television. Uh, I call lights, camera, action. Yeah. And here's what I mean by that. Coming up with the ideas. Well, that's the lights. When you think of ideas, you think of light bulbs, right? And so, like, that's lights. And, and, and I mean it plural. You come up with lots of ideas. That's, that's, that's step one. Step two is camera. What does a camera do? Well, a camera lets us know what to focus on, right? That's, what it, that's mm -hmm. the job of a camera. The camera says, this is what we're going to be looking at. This is what we're going to be focusing on. That's the second big stage 
of innovation. You've got to take those ideas and figure out, okay, which one or ones are we going to focus on? Which which are, which are the ones that will give us the most value right now? Which And you, there's, there are systems and processes for doing that. And then, so lights, camera, and then action, of course, because you and I both know, Sue, that the universe rewards action. Until you actually do something, until you actually implement those ideas. Exactly. Come up with the ideas, evaluate the ideas and, 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 mm -hmm. and choose. And then, all right, let's come up with a plan for implementation, for testing, for that kind of, and that's, that's, that's lights, camera, action. That's innovation at its core. And it takes all of that to turn that creativity, to turn those lights into money, into value, into something that's going to make a difference in people's lives, which is really what it's all about. Making a difference in the lives of your, of your, your, your stakeholders, your employees, your team, your clients, your customers, your community, your world. That's, that's what innovation really is, is all about. It's not just coming up with a new widget. It's, exactly. it's changing things. Ed, can't you tell he's very passionate and easy to understand? <laughs> That's cool. I, also, cool. I also get angry at times when people when people just say, "Well, yeah, okay, that's all. That's all well and good." But again, we talked about this before. But you know, that's just we we have a group that does that. We're not the innovators. We're the accountants. I just spoke. Um, uh, in fact, it was it was my last keynote of of twenty twenty three. And it was about 500 uh, accountants and people who run accounting firms. You should have seen these. Once, once I turned them loose and we started actually doing some innovation, uh, again, like right there in the keynote, it's, am it's amazing what they came up with. Everybody exactly. is innovative. Everybody's innovative. By the way, you and I were talking earlier about the, the business. Uh, the speaking business needs to be innovative, too. One of the things that I found, and I know you have because you deal with, with dozens and dozens of, of great speakers and, and meeting planners and meeting professionals. And so, so you've seen this. Um, you can't just be a speaker anymore. I mean, you might be able to get away with that, with just getting up there and doing a talk. What I'm finding, Sue, and I'm curious if this, if this has been your experience also, is that both meeting planners and audiences are looking for and relishing actual activity not just being talked to but having have having that opportunity again right there in the keynote you know during during the keynote uh uh time slot to roll up exactly. their sleeves and start applying and doing things differently having it become more of an experience less of a lecture although if you're a good speaker it's never just a lecture but um, they're, they're looking for that, in, I mean, real interactivity. And that doesn't just mean saying, hey, uh, raise your hand if you like air. You know, that's not, that's not interactivity. Some speakers still do that. And those are the ones who, they might be doing just fine, but their phone's going to ring a little less and a little less and a little less in favor of those speakers. And these are the speakers that you represent, Sue, because you curate your speakers. You don't just take anybody, you actually curate them. And I know that one of the things you look for is speakers who can provide that experience so that when the audience walks out of that keynote, walks out of that speech, walks out of that experience, they they are fundamentally different. They didn't just watch, they didn't just watch a one-hour movie, a one-hour show. I mean, yes, it's got to be a good show. You've got to have entertainment value, you've got to have all that kind of stuff built in. 
but they go out going like, I know something about myself that I didn't know before. I didn't know I had this ability. I didn't know. It's like, wow, this is, it's, it's, and it's so cool when you're up on stage and you see them coming to those realizations. You see them going like, oh yeah. You, I mean, you almost literally see the light bulb exactly. off over their heads. It's a great feeling, isn't it? It is. And that's key. And you can help me because I want to be out there saying, we don't have speakers. We don't have trainers. We don't have lecturers. We have people that create experiences because that is what event planners and everybody is looking for. Right. And Bill, this is why you are so easy to book because you are creating those experiences for yours you know with your own booking with all the bureaus that book you this is how it works that you have to know what your audience is looking and what the event planners are looking for and they're looking for those unique people that will take the time to create that experience of a lifetime because yeah. it is, it can be a life-changing experience. So yeah. thank you. We're going to make this happen. People are going to know you got in the speaker world. You have to create an experience. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. I love that. And now one more thing before we go. All right. It goes by so quick. It does. But, uh, I wish I had an hour, but I no, I can't keep an audience for an hour. That's kind of hard. <laughs> uh, but anyway, looking back one thing, Bill, what is one thing? that makes you smile about where you are today? Oh, wow. Um, I, I think the, the fact that, um, well, first of all, the fact that I'm, I, that I'm still able to do what I love. I've had, I've had two completely different careers and I've, I've done very well in both of them and I've loved them both during those 15 years when I was producing the comedy TV show and when I was working with people like Jerry Seinfeld and Ellen DeGeneres and we in, literally invented it, Bill Nye the science guy if you watch my TEDx talk which I know you have I tell that story of how we invented Bill Nye the science guy on our show because a guest canceled at the last minute um you know you get to have experiences like that and I've hung out with with rock stars and I've jammed with people like you know bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and those kinds of, it's like those kind of experiences that you wouldn't normally get. That was part of the TV career. I mean, I literally could not have invented a better job for myself than that. And then that, that came to a conclusion and then moving into the speaking career, um, which is, which is different, but it's amazing because you get to, uh, you get to actually see the results you get to actually see, and it's 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 funny, Sue, and I don't know if this has been your experience with other speakers as well. When I first started off as a speaker, it was all about getting the laughs, getting the applause, getting the standing ovation. And those are still fun. D don't get me wrong. I mean, I love it when an audience is laughing uh, because when they're laughing, they're receptive, they're learning. It's, it's I mean, and that's part of my job too, is to make them laugh. Um, I'm not a comedian, but I but I've got plenty of humor in my in my keynotes. Um, but it was all about that. But as I started doing it more, it became less about their response to me and more about their response to them. More about seeing yeah. again, but what we're talking about seeing the change that they make uh, and, and the change the change that they see in themselves. 
and setting them up for success. And I think that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's, that's so cool. Um, I would much rather, I mean, we, we all have people and anybody, once you get to a certain caliber of speaking, uh, you always get people coming up to you afterwards saying that was a great speech. You're the best speaker we've ever had seen. And you know, that's just because you're the most recent speaker they've seen. And it's nice and it's flattering and it's ego building. But the ones that I really are the ones that say, you know what? I'm going to take that with me. That made a difference. One of the things that you said, I, I had somebody say to me um, in a, in a keynote last year. And, and this, this happens uh, relatively frequently, but I, I remember this, this, this one person, and here I am, it's, it's, it's a business audience, and I'm talking about innovation, innovation and in business, creativity, how to do it, what it's all about, what it is, what it isn't. And somebody came up to me and said, uh, something you said, he, he referred to something specific in the speech. He said, that's exactly what I needed to hear because I'm having trouble with my 14-year-old son. Wow. And what you said, that is going to make the difference. He said, I can't wait to get home. And Packing lives, you never know. And yeah. thank you so much for coming today. This was wonderful. Then, thank you, Sue. Thanks, thanks for having me. It, you're, you're, you're worth waking up early for. Yay. And to our audience out there, think about this. What is it that makes you smile about where you're at now? What is it? Hopefully, Bill has geared you into some things that you can think about. But also, you want to have book uh, Bill at your next event? We know he books very quickly, so we want you to contact us today so we you can get him on your event calendar because he will change people's lives. This is this is the truth. And he's certainly connecting over an experience of a lifetime. So don't wait. He books quickly. And everyone, we thank you for coming today. This was awesome. I am ready to go to the next steps. <laughs> We've got a lot going on, Lisa, back there in the back. We know that. <laughs> and everyone, we hope you will come back next Friday, January 12th, where our guest will be the remarkable Will Bowen. He's a humorous international motivational speaker and number one international best-selling author. And he's the founder of the Complaint Free Movement with over 15 million people following him worldwide. He's a world authority on complaining. Now, let me ask you, do you think it's possible to quit complaining? Join us next week as Will Bowen will show us how. Yeah, he's and we invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you won't miss an episode of our show and can go back and see all the previous episodes, just in case you missed anything that Bill shared today. It's going to be there for you shortly. Okay. So we don't want you to miss that. And then this show becomes a podcast next Wednesday. So you certainly be looking for that. You won't be able to miss us. And also on our YouTube channel is all the videos of the talent that we represent. You can see how remarkable they are in person and you certainly want to call us. Now, at Remarkable, I just want to tell you this, to start the year off, at Remarkable, a Speakers Bureau, we are honored for the opportunity to partner with you and create a remarkable experience of a lifetime for your clients and audiences. So, 
Our phones will be ringing. We know that. And we appreciate that so much. We hope you have a remarkable weekend coming up. First long weekend of the year. And we will see you back right here next week. Again, thank you so much, Bill. This was too. a pleasure. Bye.